1: Homes.com, we've done your homework.
0: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording, pre-recording from the Long Island Bunker. Folks, I want to start off today with talking about the absolutely horrific, disastrous SCOTUS term that we just lived through. I don't think, it's unfortunate, I I will say this, not I don't think. It is unfortunate that people don't recognize their power until their power is taken away from them. And maybe that is human nature, right? But for years, for years, the Republican party has been talking about the ways in which they want to return this nation to what they believe is its puritanical white evangelical Christian roots, that they want a nation that abides by their Bible and their interpretation thereof. And they've been using the courts and they've been using schools and they've been using all sorts of avenues and strategies in order To accomplish their authoritarian, fascist, Christian rule. And yet, all of these years, all of these decades, Democrats have continued to believe that Republicans are their rational, ideological adversaries, that these people, with their white supremacist ideas and their anti every single thing, just, just listed anti-women, anti-black, anti-Asian, anti-Latinx, anti-Muslim, like just list them all down. That somehow they were worthy of being considered rational or people that are open to collaboration and compromise. And it is now, as we have seen the court, the Supreme court, Become weaponized, a weaponized tool of the radicalized right, that all of a sudden everybody, including the Democratic establishment, is waking up and saying, Oh my God, how did we get here? Oh my God. But do you know who doesn't seem to still have a sense of urgency? Joe Biden, the president of the United States. Now, I did a TikTok video, and again, if you don't follow me there, you should Danielle Moody underscore where I had just finished reading an article in the Atlantic. And the article is, is Joe Biden running out of time. And essentially within the article, it discusses the fact that the author of the piece doesn't believe, and and I will say that maybe I agree that anyone else could have beaten Donald Trump in the 2020 election. And I know that everyone has, you know, their own opinions, but I Believe I did not want Joe Biden to be the nominee because exactly how he is showing himself to be now, which is weak, um, subservient and, you know, a, a statesman from a long forgotten time at that moment, I don't think that this country would have taken anybody else. And obviously they did not, but what the article in the Atlantic goes on to question is whether or not Joe Biden is the president that can actually fight against Trumpism, not just Donald Trump, the man, but Trumpism, the infected ideology. And I have to say, no, he is not. What we have seen is really Outwardly from mostly the women and the people of color and the younger people, whether they be in the Senate or in the House of Representatives, like Senator Warren or Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the House, saying all of the things and providing all of the avenues that if this president were aggressive, if this Democratic establishment were aggressive and fighting fire with fire, they would do. And they're not doing any of it. I mentioned to you that in an interview with CNN's Dana Bash, the vice president, Kamala Harris, when pointedly asked people already showed up for you to vote and they are expecting you to do something. And her response to that was do what exactly? Well, my fucking God, if you are going to act so incompetent and so weak, then maybe you shouldn't have the job in the first fucking place because stern words and wagging fingers and fucking prayer is not saving us. Expanding the court will ending the filibuster will finding out the creative ways to provide abortions to women and people with uteruses. And now the 26 States that have outlawed abortion will not only has this Supreme Court overturned 50 years of precedent, they also turned 100, over a hundred year precedent with their denial of New York state's ability to issue its own laws around conceal and carry. Then they went so far as to give the middle finger to the fucking planet and say that the EPA doesn't have the power to be able to enforce emission standards. So not only do they want to make America more dangerous for women and people with uteruses, more dangerous so that those that carry guns have more rights than those that do not. Also unhealthy, because we already know that the myriad of fucking storms, whether they be fire season, hurricane season, tornado season are at all time historic levels every fucking year. So If you know this and you know that there is no slowdown with this six to three court, why would you not start talking strongly and not start creating a war room around how you fucking turn this nine person court into a 13 person court and level the fucking playing field, right? And extinguish the power of Alito and Thomas and Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and fucking Barrett from being able to destroy this country one fucking decision at a time. This is not, and it should not be fucking rocket science. When you, when your enemy reveals themselves to you, you do not turn your back because they would quickly shoot and stab you in it. You don't say, oh, I'm not opting into this fight when your enemy has drawn the lines of the battlefield quite clearly for the world to fucking see. So is Joe Biden the right president for this moment? Is Nancy Pelosi the right speaker for this moment? Is Chuck Schumer the right leader for this moment? Abso fucking not. And so then the question becomes. Who is, and is it time that the people, as somebody had asked me that were uh, listening to the show, sent me a DM and said, Danielle, I don't understand why there is a lack of urgency and passion on the left. He said in France, they don't like what the fuck their government is doing and they take to the streets and they burn shit down. Is it that there is a fear The question was a fear that we are outgunned. I don't know. Honestly, I do know that what I would rather see rather than people burning down their own cities and towns is that I would much rather see a national fucking boycott organized that says that ain't nobody going to work, right? Not your fucking grocery, not your quote unquote essential workers that we were willing to send out in a pandemic with their less than minimum wage that they were receiving so that the rest of us could stay cloistered away in our homes, not the essential workers, nobody, not the fucking teachers, not the doctors, not the nurses, ain't nobody going to work. I would rather see an organized national boycott to disrupt this nation's economy and to remind our fucking overlords who, are, who is actually in power. I would rather see that happen than riots in the streets That only will last for a couple of days. And frankly, more of us will be killed than on that side. But let me tell you something. The direction that all of this is headed in is only headed in one way, which is towards violence. It's not a matter of if it is a matter of when. And that's what's concerning me is that Joe Biden and everybody around him seems to be operating on a different fucking planet than the one that we are all living in right now. Coming up next, my conversation with our friend, Danielle Campamore, who is the Today Show journalist covering abortion and covering Roe v. Wade. And she will discuss, frankly, the devastation that women and people with uteruses are feeling across this country, the fact that for the first time ever in our lives, our children, the nation's children will have less rights than their parents and grandparents and what we are essentially setting ourselves up for in the future. That conversation coming with our friend, Danielle Campermore next. Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie is one of the latest shows on the TYT network and also the fastest growing news show in America. On his show, Dr. Ricci plays no games regarding policy, delivering a heavy dose of fact-based truth and penetrating analysis on all the top news stories focusing on racism, criminal and social justice, politics, police brutality, Karens, and much more. Listeners can also expect interviews with fascinating guests, political leaders, commentators, and even fiery debates with conservatives on a wide range of policy topics in the bullpen. It is an indisputable fact that you will love this show. Listen to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Folks, I am very happy um whenever I have the opportunity to speak with my friend Danielle Campamore, who is um a journalist for the Today Show, for today.com, talking specifically about abortion. She has been on this show. My God, Danielle, you've been on this show over I think the entire time that I've had woke AF, uh, which is pushing five years now. Um but this is the first time that we are speaking and a constitutional right has been taken away for the past several years. You and I have spoken about the potential, right. Of this moment, about what we feel that Democrats need to do in this moment. Um, but now the moment is here. So before we even jump in, I just want to ask you person to person, woman to woman, how are you doing? Thank you so much for
1: asking me that. I mean, it's overwhelming. And if you talk to anyone who has followed access to abortion care in this country, they'll tell you that this is not a surprise. But nevertheless, it is no less devastating to the people that it impacts, particularly black, brown, poor rural people. Um But this is not a surprise. Um, you know, anyone in the abortion field has been sounding the alarm. And so of anti-abortion people who have told you, told me, told everyone that this is what they were fighting for. Um, but I think one thing that's taking me back as someone who's covered this and also as someone with the capacity to get pregnant, um, who has been pregnant, um, is that while we knew that this was coming, the, the, the impact of it, the reality of it, uh, is no easier to swallow, and so it's been um, a hard week. Um, and especially when you listen to people that this is impacting the most, and the stories of people being turned away, and women who are experiencing pregnancy complications and are being denied um, care, or their care is being um, you know prolonged in some way out of fear that the doctors caring for them will be criminalized. It's hard to it's hard to stomach.
0: You know, I, um, we have all heard, uh, the stories. Uh, I think that they were written down in our history books about what happened pre, uh, 1974, um, and the fear and the reality being that abortion does not stop because the Supreme court has overturned the constitutional right to bodily autonomy. Um, abortion just becomes unsafe. Right. Um, and so what do you believe then are the actions that this administration should take in order to, um, codify Roe or should have taken, because frankly, they could have codified it 10 years ago in the Obama administration, and they didn't.
1: Right. Well, I think at first, it's important for us to all acknowledge that we are not going back to a pre day. The advent of medication abortion will make illegal abortion safer in terms of of a person's physical health. They will not be safe in terms of criminality. And that is where we'll see an influx of black and brown people. um, And they will be an influx of mothers as well, since the majority of people have abortions are moms who will be criminalized and then will be jailed. And so between that and then the fear of not being able to access adequate care if you have a mis- miscarriage, for example, an ectopic pregnancy, that is where the physical danger comes in. Is, is doctors afraid to provide care? As for what Democrats should have done and, and want to and should or need to do now, um, all the people that I have spoken to, and these are people who have been either really politically involved or now this is their what is driving them to be political now is expand the court it is end the filibuster it is require and demands that people in the democratic party support access to abortion no ifs ands or buts and if they don't get them out of office and elect someone who does when i was in front of the supreme court on saturday every single person that i talked to said do not tell me to vote i did what are you doing now because I did vote, and I am here right now. I've been protesting. I, you know, there were kids there with children. Who this is, you know, a four-year-old. It was their third, fourth, fifth protest. You know, the parents are taking them continuously. They're saying we're making our voices heard, and we're voting. Those are the two things you tell us to do. We're doing them. So what? What are you going to do? That's what people are telling me, and I think that is what a lot of people are demanding of of anyone in office who says that they care about bodily autonomy, specifically the Democratic Party.
0: You know, it I just find it so frustrating because uh Vice President Harris was on CNN um uh a a couple of you know at the time of this recording it was a couple of days ago and when asked by Dana Bash um whether you know the people want you to do something and you have you have the senate you have the house you have the presidency and you're not doing anything she said do what <laughs> She said like her response was do what? And I like lost my mind listening to the vice president of the United States essentially say that she doesn't have any power, that the executive branch doesn't have any power. Um and so if the people on the ground are as frustrated as we know that they are because we share their frustration, what do you think this looks like? And I, and I and I mean You know, the question that I was asked on MSNBC a couple of days ago was, Danielle, you know, the the Democrats want to focus on, quote unquote, kitchen table issues and inflation and gas prices. Is this is the anger and outrage going to sustain itself to midterm elections? And so I I will tell you what my response was, but I want to hear what yours is to that question.
1: My response is the response of anyone that I've ever asked when it comes to what's going to drive them, what's important to them, especially parents, because that is my focus at today.com. And every parent tells you there's no more bigger table kitchen issue than the ability to decide when, if, and how you start your family. What else is there other than a person's ability to be able to make those decisions with their doctor, with their spouse, with their family members? And it, it trickles down to, I mean, there were moms who were talking to me. This is also about my ability to, be finan- to make financial decisions, yep. financial freedom. I talked to people who said, look, if I wasn't able to access abortion care, I would still be tied to someone who was abusive, who, yep. who would put me out. This is about personal safety. It's about, you know, there is no other kitchen table issue than bodily autonomy and the freedom to make your private medical decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so really, um, I think that the kitchen table issue Uh, phrase is code for um, affluent white issues that might matter to people who think that this doesn't impact them, that they'll still be able to access care if when and how they need it. And so they can focus on inflation because to them, they don't think that this is something that will impact them or their family members. And if you look at statistics and studies, um, that's just not true. that, you know, one in four people need an abortion and that is not including people who need that care it comes to any sort of pregnancy complication, ectopic pregnancy or miscarriage. So that would be my answer. There is no bigger table issue than access to abortion.
0: What did you make you know, and Danielle, I, I offered the same thing. I literally said the same thing. I said, I, I don't know what are we what we're talking about here. Um, if you're talking about economic issues, I can see no other economic issue than the ability to family plan. Like if there are more children at your table than there are zeros in your check, I'm confused about how you're going to be able to provide for those kids, particularly when we are you know, when we have a, a a government and a a party that is not interested in providing childcare tax credit, paid family leave, um, you know, uh, universal pre-K that is not interested in doing any of those things. So what are you offering right to these people that you are now forcing to give birth? That's what, that was my response is the same as yours. And so what do you, like, what did you make then given all of this? What did you make of of President Biden's address to the nation following the Supreme Court decision? Did it did it hit the notes that you needed it to hit? Well, I can tell you from the people that I talked to, no, it didn't.
1: Because, and it, it was very interesting because everyone said, I already know what he's going to say before he said it. And they said, he's going to tell me to vote. And of course, that is what he did. He said, you need to vote from November. And people just do not want to hear that because, again, they did vote. These parents, these families voted in the middle of an ongoing pandemic. They brought their children in tow because they couldn't get time off work because voting is on a national holiday in this country. And so it just goes back to, again, they want to see more, especially when, to your credit, you know, when we talk about the economic fallout of access, of limited access to abortion care. We live in a country with a pay gap where mothers get paid less than fathers, where there's actually a motherhood penalty. For every child that a mom has, her, she actually loses money. She misses out on opportunities for uh, growth within her her area of work. And so um, just statistically, you don't have to look forward to see just how this will impact every as- aspect of a person's life. They have the ability to get pregnant and do when they don't want to or aren't ready for it. And so it just goes back to... You cannot continuously tell people to do something to keep you in power if you do nothing with that power. And that's born out of the conversations that I've had with people is, why am I doing the same thing over and over again when I'm watching myself, mm-hmm. my friend, my co-workers lose rights in the process? And we started this conversation, it's the first time in the history of this country a Supreme Court has given the constitutional right, only to take it away. We are about to, tomorrow will be a week where more than half the people in this country have lived without the constitutional right to bodily autonomy. A week we have lived with less rights than our parents and our grandparents. Um, when you think about that, that's catastrophic if you really sit and just think about that. And so just vote um, is hard for many people to stop.
0: I, I don't know Danielle where we go from here because I said, you know, it was, it was the Monday after the decision and I tweeted and I said, this is going to be the first Monday of a generation of Mondays that are hard to get out of bed for. Right. And as I listen to you and I think, and it, and it really is cemented into my understanding that this generation, this young generation, Gen Z is going to have less rights less access to equity than, um, than the quote unquote greatest generation that this country loves to bring up than you know, then the baby boomer, uh, grandparents and, you know, their Gen X parents. And so I, I, what are, what are the options? Because what I keep hearing from the administration, um, is that they don't have any, we just need to vote. What do you see as a handful of the options, that the strategies that this administration could take today if they had the will? Well, I think, again, it just goes
1: back to the conversations that I've had with people who've been in this space, who've been fighting for access to abortion care, not just abortion care, but really just for expanded access to any kind of reproductive maternal and mental health care, including pregnancy, prenatal care. Paid family leave, all the things that you said, again, that this country doesn't provide, yet they, um, in a handful of states, would not force people to give birth. And so um, when you speak to those people, the answer is is very clear. It is, end the filibuster, expand the court, codify Roe, um, and then from the bully pulpit, as the president of the United States, hold members of your party accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that's not, um, you know an outlier in politics Uh, history has shown that plenty of presidents have been able to hold other, uh, you know, members of their party um, accountable via the bully pulpit. Um, Mitch McConnell does a very good job of it within his, his party to a certain degree, um, in a way that some might argue the Democrats certainly do not. Um, but I think that, you know, look, studies show that the, the lowest, uh, you know, amount of, of faith in the supreme court right now. And you know, I talked to a, a couple outside of the, the supreme court on on Sunday and they brought up literally took their phone, went to um AOC's um Instagram uh-huh. and just started clicking. She's saying what we can do. She they went line by line and you know, this is what we kind of want to see. She's telling us the plan. Uh, So there are members, I think, in the Democratic Party that have more concrete plans, whether it's AOC, Elizabeth Warren's also been very vocal as a play in concrete steps. It sounds like the party just needs to listen to itself. um, And surprise, surprise, it's women, um, primarily women of color who are leading um, that conversation who have um, plans in place if members of the party would just listen to.
0: You know, the other coded conversation that is also happening with regard to this countdown to midterms in five months is whether or not suburban, and I use quotations, uh, suburban women, which is code for white women, uh, will show up at the polls. um, And this will be the issue that they show up for. Now, Danielle, I will say that 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and 56% of them voted for him in 2020. So what expectation level of expectation do you have that somehow the loss of this constitutional right is going to change their minds and change their, change their voting pattern?
1: That was one thing that did strike me to be, you know, to be very, very honest. It struck me as a little bit of a surprise when I was on the ground in, in a, In D.C. in front of the Supreme Court is there were a lot of of white women who were very quick to um, honestly um, admit that they for the first time don't feel safe even if they came from a progressive state that has showed up abortion rights because they what they shared with me is I always thought that Roe was settled that Roe was protected and if Roe was protected then I would be protected and I think that a lot of white women that perhaps thought that they could vote for Donald Trump and it wouldn't affect their ability to access abortion care if they needed or starting to realize that's not entirely the case, regardless of where you live. We've already seen an influx of people going to those progressive, quote unquote, blue states. And with that influx, it's pushing back, uh, you know, abortion um, uh, scheduling so that people who live in that state are having to wait longer. They're, there's, they're going to be inundated. And if the, the Republicans take the House and the Senate, they've made uh, – it no secret that they are going to try and pass a nationwide abortion ban. So whether you live in California, Oregon, Washington, New York, Connecticut will no longer matter. Um, And so perhaps this is a a wake up call for those who didn't listen to, uh, to the voices in, in rural and poor and predominantly black and brown communities who've said, look, Roe has existed in name only for us since its inception. Um, Maybe they're starting to, to realize that, that what we thought was settled is not. There is no solid ground now. It, it can crumble from underneath you at any moment. Um, it remains to be seen. And I think that's going to be pour itself out in the power, in my opinion, of storytelling. And that does go back to, you know, being on the ground. And there were so many people sharing their personal stories, uh, so many people who were reaffirming um, the will to have difficult, what they considered to be difficult conversations with people sharing their stories with members of their family that perhaps they didn't know that they had been impacted by abortion care in some way. Um, if people are willing to have those conversations um, personally um, with those in their circle, perhaps um, things will change. Because so I think that that is far more powerful than listening to those in positions of power, who, as you've mentioned, time and time again, have not done that much to, to change the trajectory of this. Country. You
0: know, the other thing that I have been thinking about, too, is the fact that even in that speech that Joe Biden gave following this um, abomination of a decision, he did not utter the word abortion. So how important for you, for, 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 for the movement, I should say, how important is it for the movement at this grave juncture that we find ourselves that this administration utter the words, right? Um, it it does, does it matter? At this, at, this, at this late stage? Well, I think anyone
1: um, who is fighting for any human right will tell you that it does. I mean, just look at the don't say gay bills that are popping up in various states to um, listen to the youth, to the people that this is impacting the most, and they will tell you it absolutely matters. You say, you know, we call it by its name, you say the word. Um, and so yes, we should be able to say abortion as the leader um, of the most powerful country in the planet. Uh, where one in four people have abortions, where abortion is tantamount in terms of uh, ability to to maintain um, care via pregnancy and to grow and expand families. Um, will he? I don't think that he will. I think that we've seen that even the fall of a constitutional right won't change the vernacular that this president and those within um, this cabinet are choosing to use. But I'm also... You know, listening and reporting and speaking with people who um, don't care, that they're really leaning on their own communities now. There's little faith that this administration will do much, so they're looking inward and looking internally, looking at their neighbors and their friends, and are really focused on building community and within that, sharing stories and saying abortion out loud. And so I think that if there is a change, it will be when this administration sees the power of community and people who are willing to do the work, um, and perhaps then they'll jump on.
0: Danielle, last question for you. Um, you know, I guess what do you feel right now about the future of this country, knowing how radicalized this Supreme Court has become? how personally i I believe that this administration to be ineffectual? um how confident that you are that this decision has shaken the foundation of people's understanding of freedom and whether or not they will actually take the necessary sustained action, um, to hold elected officials, including this president, uh, accountable.
1: Well, I come at this as a reporter and a member of the media, and there's been lots of conversations, you know, from me to, to black lives matter to now about our role in it. And, um, I think that one of the important factors of, of, really establishing where this country goes, the trajectory that we take is our ability to speak the truth and to speak truth to power. And so if this administration is going to shore up um, what 50 years of legal precedent decided was a um, constitutional right, it's going to require bravery and and people speaking truth to power. And, And that means you call a lie a lie. And you say the truth, and unfortunately, we've seen whether it was January sixth um, to the ways in which media covers abortion of of both sizing both sizing certain things and and um, highlighting voices um, that are inaccurate, that are false, that are just straight up non non factual uh, under the guise of neutrality and and appearing non biased. And while you know, make no qualms about it. There are plenty of people who are very happy that we are coming up on a week without the constitutional constitutional right to access abortion. care. There are plenty of people who argue that this makes families safer. There are plenty of people who say that this won't harm um, people who are pregnant and any of the care that they need. But mm, that's not the facts. None of yep. that is fact- factual. Those beliefs are not rooted in facts. Um, and so... What I'm focused on is making sure that we as members of the media meet this moment with facts, with evidence um, that we do our job to not
0: make things worse. Yeah, I mean, I think that the media is... Obsession with both sides is why we were in this position to begin with. It's why Donald Trump became president of the United States. It's why they believe that uh, an overqualified woman for this job shouldn't have it. Um, the media is, um, you know, the third estate. Right, it is uh, that body that bears responsibility for educating uh, the public, and so at this critical juncture, it's like, are we going to continue to go off of a cliff, um, or will they pull the reins back and realize and assume the responsibility that they have? Danielle, I, I just I, again, I thank you so much for the work that you do on a daily basis for being on the front lines of this fight um, for bodily autonomy for abortion. Um, for so long, and appreciate all of the time that you've taken throughout the years um, to educate the woke AF audience as well as myself on what needs to be done. Um, just, we greatly appreciate you and sending you love, strength, and light um, as we continue to traverse through these really dark times.
1: Absolutely, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, you're a light in the darkness, and I'm so thankful for your voice. And as always, I mean, let's just get together. We'll we'll
0: rage next time. We'll reach next time. The Damage Report with John Iderola is one of the most popular shows on the TYT network that serves as your daily breakdown of the genuine threats and challenges facing our country and world. These days, we're confronted with an overwhelming sea of shocking, confounding, and devastating news stories. The Damage Report is your life raft, helping you navigate the day's news and understand the damage caused by the corrupt establishment, politicians, corporations, and everything in between. Join The Damage Report's notorious fan club, The Dragon Squad, where you become part of a fantastic community of progressives create a fun dragon nickname that fits your personality collaborate and participate in fun activities like voting for the garbage person of the week and much more listen to the damage report on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. if you like what you hear be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode That is it for me today, friends, here on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck.